Welcome to our 47th episode of Breaking Bread with C. My name is Celeste Mundu. I am your host on this podcast. Last time we spoke about love as a response and how once you have become intimately acquainted with God, you are able to relate to him from a place of love, ultimately leading you to obedience. Because when you love somebody and you honor them and you value everything that comes out of their mouth, then the best thing you can do as a response is to honor even that counsel, to honor anything that would grieve their spirit or their heart. And that is exactly the place that we continue to exercise ourselves into. When the Bible talks about exercising ourselves into godliness, that is precisely what we are doing. We are training our spirit to be so acquainted to the voice of God that it becomes the one thing that we desire to respond to. When Jesus says that his sheep know his voice, then you are in a place of being led by Jesus that anything else that seems like noise, anything else that rings a bell in your head and brings a red flag, you know how not to follow it. Whether it is trending in the world, whether it seems to be making money, whether it seems to be um, cheered on by a lot of people, you know that that is not your path to take. That being said, today and the last couple of weeks have been very provoked by things that are happening um, in the world, in America, in Europe, especially with Satan pushing down his agenda. In the latter days, I mean, in the former days, the devil worshippers used to be very secretive it used to be hidden it used to be something that you wouldn't know unless you're actually initiated into it or unless you've come across anything that helps you learn this but today it's very different devil worshippers are more bold than they have ever been in fact most of them are even bolder than christians they honor their rituals they honor their the demands of their master who is the devil they serve him wholeheartedly because they understand the consequences that come from disobeying him they know the power that he still has Um, oftentimes i've talked about uh, Satan and who he is in in reality. Many people have this um, distorted understanding that when when Satan fell, his beauty and what made him the most anointed cherub stayed in heaven and he fell without it but that's not the reality because the bible says that the gifts and callings of god are without repentance what that line simply means is that god is not short of gifts if today he asks me to do something or tells me to go and give a speech in france and and this speech is supposed to to draw the hearts of men towards christ it's supposed to 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 soften their hearts towards the gospel that Jesus may draw them unto himself, then I say no, 
he is not going to take away the fact that I could be a good speaker. He's not going to take away the fact that I could have the language and the vocabulary to communicate this message. He's just going to move on to the next available man and and empower them to do exactly what I was going to do. But he's not going to take my gift away because that would mean that he needs it to give it to another person and yet he is the author of all things. So when we say the gifts and callings of God are without are without repentance, it's because God does not need to take anything away from you in order to empower another person. That is why jealousy is stupid. That is why jealousy is redundant. It's unnecessary because there are things that you can do that I cannot do. So when you look at what I can do that you cannot do and you envy it, you covet it, you feel like I shouldn't be there so that you can shine, you are completely choking what was given to you as an individual that I am not able to do and you're dimming your own star with that jealousy. Um, so I want you to, I wanted you to understand that when Satan fell, everything that made him the anointed cherub that he is, and everything that made him the great worshiper that he was, everything that set him apart from the other angels and cherubs and seraphs that made him the one who ushered the presence of God through worship did not did not stay in heaven and he fell by himself he went with it and that is why everything that entices us in the world is comes in a form and a shape that looks beautiful until you entertain it and realize that it is rotten to the root because satan was cursed anyway ezekiel 28 verse 11 i will continue to circle back to the scripture so that you can understand who satan really is not to exalt him not to worship him not to put him above the knowledge of christ but to give you a rough understanding of who he is so that when you worship God, you understand how you ought to worship him intelligently. When we talk about um, not fighting against flesh and blood, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not the human being next to you. It's evil rulers. It's principalities that are in the heavenly places that are where the pit and the prison that these guys have been sent to when they disobeyed God are. And so the Bible says in Ezekiel uh, 28 verse 11, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre, that's Satan, and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says, you were the seal of perfection. Satan is described as the seal of perfection. You're full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Take some time and think about this line. The enemy of the world we're telling you about it was described as the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now this in the sight of the eye did not go away. It simply lost the power and the vindication of the perfect spirit of God, but it did not go away. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. 
you have to understand that this scripture it's telling us that everything that constituted of satan's settings his anatomy was made of precious stones it was made of gold and the day that he was created is the day that these things were prepared you were anointed as a guardian cherub for so i ordained you you were on the holy mount of god look at the president of your nation wherever you are there are some bodyguards that are consistent that know where he goes that know where what he does there are many that surround him but there are those particular ones that are allowed closer to him than others may be this is the kind of image that satan was to god he was on the mount of god he walked among fiery stones you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you now you have to understand that everything that is good is not necessarily of god because we are told of the devil our enemy the enemy of the life of god in us that he was blameless in his ways so when satan is going to attack you when satan is going to lie to you when satan is going to entice you he's not going to come in a way that is blameless he's not going to come in a way that is repulsive because his nature is exactly what we are being told in this verse that he was blameless in his ways from the day he was created so he knows that pattern he knows what it looks like it's like if you know how to swim if you learned how to swim as a child chances are you're not going to forget how to swim the moment you get in the water one lap two laps you will everything will come back to remembrance and you will be able to swim again Verse 16 Through your widespread tread you were feed Verse 16 Through your widespread tread you were filled with violence and you sinned so I drove you in this grace from the mount of God I expelled you oh you guardian cherub from among the fierce stones your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor so I threw you to the earth I made a spectacle of you before kings by your many sins and dishonesty you have desecrated your sanctuaries so I made a fire come out of you from come out from you and it consumed you and it reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all those who were watching all the nations who knew you are appalled at you you have come to a horrible end and will be no more so you need to understand what is happening here satan was expelled from that place of leadership where god had placed him he was expelled from his responsibility as the anointed cherub he was expelled from god's inner circle he was expelled 
on account of his beauty, the very things that God had given him as a gift, the very things that God had given him as a tool, the very things that God had given him as the special one, he used against himself. That's why the Bible says that when you sin against God, you are truly sinning against yourself. Because when you understand that everything he has given you is number one for his for his glory, for the expansion of his kingdom, and you as the one made in his likeness, when he is glorified, you share into his glory. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that though he was fully God and fully man, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That is telling us that Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he carried God in the flesh. He knew where he was coming from. He took humility to Jesus to walk the face of the earth as a human being. It took him more strength, more humility, more wisdom, more understanding to be a man because he was fully God. And so he did not count that something to exploit because Satan counted it something to exploit, and yet he was not even the son of God. But he counted the beauty and the privileges that he had in the house of God as a servant. He counted all those privileges something to exploit, and it ended him where he is. And so today, one thing that you have to understand, especially as a believer, is that this is not the time to be passive about your prayer life. It's not the time to be passive about discernment. It's not the time to be passive about reading the word. The people who are in the devil-worshipping cults, they read they get acquainted with their craft they do incantations they do rituals they do everything that you can imagine and beyond i mean i've been watching um a lot of testimonies for from former devil worshipers that were saved by the grace of god and everything that they speak everything that they share your heart your inner witness the person of the holy spirit in you agrees with you it, it it vindicates it it confirms it when the bible tells us that we have an unction from on high and we know all things that at the testimony of two or three a thing is established the person of the holy spirit living in you and the person testifying on your screen when both speak things and they come into agreement with what you know as a reader of scripture you know that they are speaking the truth. You know that they are literally telling you the things that you have read. But you can't understand that if you don't read scripture. And yet, I've said it once when I was um, invited to minister on this wonderful platform on Instagram where uh, I was telling people that 
the things of God are so simplified that the human mind struggles to understand them because of how simple they are. And yet when you bring them to the things of the world and the things that Satan uses against them, they're so complicated that they feel like understanding them is a form of, a, of, of achievement. And that causes men and women to be so applied in worshiping the devil unbeknownst to them without understanding that they are actually worshiping the devil. And yet, the fact that God simply asks us, stay in prayer, give thanks at all times, understand that you are watchmen, read the scriptures, you are not wrestling against flesh and blood, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. Literally, he's telling you, this word has the power to save you from the things that you are seeing in the world at this time because they are not carnal. You're not fighting a system. You're not fighting a human being. You're not fighting your president. You're not fighting your MPs. You are not fighting the people that are leading change. You are fighting the spirit that is empowering them to do so. In the first letter, to, to, to Timothy that Paul writes to him in the first chapter from verse 5. He says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from a pure heart. And remember what I said about love. There is love that is agape. There is love that is phileo. There is love that is eros and love that is storge. And those four loves are divided into the love that is experienced between a husband and wife, the love that is experienced between a father, a mother, and a child, basically parents and their children, the love that's experienced between friends and the likes, and the love that is experienced between God and his people. That is the agape, the greatest dimension of love that can cause a man to lay down his life for his friends. But the same love that drives a transformation into the heart of those who are willing to receive Christ and causes them to respond to that love according to what was written for them aforetime for their learning. A clear conscience and genuine faith. What is genuine faith? It is reading something in the word of God that corrects you where you are mistaken, that brings a conviction in your heart. You see, my father in the Lord likes to say that when Jesus died for us, when he gave grace for us, when grace found us, it was not, it removed guilt. But removing guilt is not a license to sin, but rather it is he removed guilt but he left us conviction so that we do not die to the promptings of the holy spirit guilt simply corners you and lies to you and becomes multiple voices that are telling you that you are actually not forgiven that you are you are forsaken that there is nothing that god can do in that moment of your sin that you have fallen short of his love and of his grace and that is not true however conviction tells you here I have placed before you death and life and in doing this you are choosing death and yet the Bible says choose life so it corrects you it removes the the, the scales from your eyes it educates you it shows you the right from the wrong
And after you have felt that godly sorrow that comes from a deep conviction, when you are truly yielded to God, then it leads to repentance. And this repentance brings life because when God has forgiven you, he does not take back his forgiveness. He, it's exactly like the gifts and the callings that we talked about earlier. And he says, but some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. Today, you watch TV, you spend time debating, oh, what if there is no God? Oh, what if I am a, I am a man and yet I have the, the, the anatomy of a woman? Oh, what if um, I was born this way? Oh, what if I just changed it? Oh, what if I just altered it? And the options are allowing you. There is an agenda that generally wants you to go there we do not wrestle against flesh and blood satan's intention is not to just strike you in a pit dead because you're more valuable to him alive than dead but what he wants you to do is to have such a conscience that is insensitive to the spirit of god that he can move you around to destroy the perfect order that God had set. That is when you're valuable to him. So most people think, oh, if I end up in an accident and die, that that is Satan and that is all. You're more valuable to him alive, by the way, because he's a spirit as well. And spirits need a body to function into. So if you're yielded to him and you're still alive in the body that makes you the likeness of God, you're more valuable to him because he cannot achieve this perfection regardless of the perfection that was given to him in Ezekiel 28 as we read he is still below us because we are the likeness of God when God breathed in the nostrils of man and he became a living soul that is what sets us apart from any being that God has created any angel the bible says that the angels desire to look into these things the things that you and i know by the fact that christ lives in us they make us apart they set us apart they make the angels want to know what we know they don't have this inside information even if they live in heaven and we don't and he says they want to be known as teachers of the law of the of moses but they don't know what they're talking about, even though they speak so confidently. Now, I want to paint a picture in your mind. The law of Moses came to show us how fallen we were, how far we were from God. When he says, don't kill, don't steal, don't destroy, you think that stealing is entering someone's home and robbing their TV and going, or you are walking in the street and you just rob someone's bag. But if you examine your life, if you do not have that prompting of the spirit in you, you will realize that you steal more than you know. If your brother left his pen on a desk and then you just see it because you need a pen and you just go with it because a pen is not a big deal, it is still his possession. If you have not asked, it is as equal as stealing. Now that might seem like not a big deal, but in the eyes of God who sees everything, you still took on something that does not belong to you in as much as it is inoffensive and nothing in you prompts you to apologize or to see where your mistake is in the first place even before you apologize if you are at work and they tell you that you are paid for your 10 minutes break 
or 15 minutes break or 30 minutes break and you go ahead and have 40 minutes and yet you have clocked back in at the mark of 30 minutes you are stealing you are stealing so when we say that even a saint sins about seven times in a day it is those innocent mistakes that you think are inconsequential but sin is sin before god the person who's committing adultery and the person who's stealing 10 minutes in company time they are both sinners in front of god there is none that is going to receive a hard chastisement for their sin and the other is not so you have to understand that there is no partiality in God. There is no gray area. It is black or it is white. That's why Joshua says, you choose who you serve today. Either the gods of the land that you are in, the gods of the Amorites where you're standing. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because God does not like double-mindedness. If you choose to go into the occult, go a hundred percent if you choose to serve god do it a hundred percent don't be of the world monday through thursday through friday and then you are of god saturday and sunday because those are the set days for fellowship god despises that we know that the law is good when it is used correctly that's verse eight verse nine for the law was not intended for people who do what is right. So there would be no reason to give direction and requirements and, and rules and regulations to people who are already perfect. You need to understand that these laws that were given by Moses were to show society where it is lacking, where it is wanting, where they have continued to offend God even without them understanding. So God is like, here, let me show you when you do this and this and this and this and this and this when you commit adultery when you sin when you lie when you commit homosexuality when you defile your body when you rape a child when you molest a child when you do all these things this is what happens between us this is the enmity this is why you cannot even approach me boldly because you do not even have this right you are so defiled that my glory can strike you dead if you came closer and he says, for the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless, who are rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred. Now here, understand that the fear of God is what makes you do things correctly, if I may put it by lack of a better word. Fearing God. God is the one thing that allows you to not speak back to your father when he makes an absurd comment, regardless of you knowing that he is wrong and you are right. The fear of God in you is what reminds you that, hey, you shouldn't lie about this. Speak the truth, come what may. And for some reason in that moment, God shows up for you in ways you could not have imagine so it brings you to consider certain things sacred and to honor them for what it is and they defile what is holy they kill their father or mother and they commit other murders the bible tells us that uh, when you hate on your brother you are committing a murder when you say i hate sister so and so or brother so and so 
I hate that word. You are as good as someone who actually went ahead with the action of killing them. When God makes such a contrast, it is to show you how deeply dangerous and deeply powerful certain things are. Yet for us, we look at them as if they are simplified, which is where Satan now gets a hold of you and causes you to do something when you think it's inconsequential. But in the eyes of God, it is actually such a big deal. And he says the law is for people who are sexually immoral. When you are serving God on Sunday genuinely out of the truth in your heart and you are consulting tarot cards on Wednesday, that's sexual immorality because if Jesus is our groom and we are his bride as the church, that is a marital situation going on there. We are supposed to trust our groom. As you, as a wife, trust her husband, and as a husband, can also have the liberty to trust his wife. But if they are together during the night, and then in the morning she finds solace in the hands of another man, or he finds solace in the hands of another woman, then that trust has been tampered with. So it is the same with God. Our relationship with Him is He teaches us, He strengthens us, He educates us. He corrects us. He makes us perfect daily as we exercise ourselves into godliness. And our response is to love him and only him, is to worship him and only him. And that means whether we eat, whether we drink, whether we give our money, whether we attend a concert, let it be something that still communicates to your husband, to your groom, that is the Christ, that you love him that your dedication your faithfulness your 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 reality your your desire is to please only him then that's a faithful relationship but sexual immorality is when you bring other gods surrounding it when you prioritize everything else but the time you spend in worship when you prioritize everything else but the things that god desires to do in your life when you don't spend time reading his word first of all it's like living with a husband whom you never speak to because that is the only way you get to speak to God. That is the only way you get to hear what he is saying to you. That is sexual immorality. So when the Bible talks about committing adultery in the book of Hosea, for example, it is not just slipping around. It is actually worshiping any other God that is not the one true God. That means you have gone against the greatest of the commandments, which is to love your God with all your heart and all your soul and to love one another just about the same. So the law is for people who are sexually immoral in that sense or who practice homosexuality. That means you have defiled your body in the correct order. You have inserted things where they are not supposed to be. You have brought about sickness and disease in your life, in your temple. That is the temple of God. Now imagine if this house that you are living in, wherever you're listening from, they tell you God is in the master bedroom. Would you, in your right mind, host, uh, uh, would you, in your right mind, watch pornography downstairs? 
I believe not. That fear of God itself would drive out that lust, would drive out that desire to do what is against His will. And this is exactly what the Bible is telling us. There are things that you bring into the presence of God that are not supposed to be there because God in you, that becomes His temple, that becomes the very place where He dwells. You know, the Bible tells us that he does not dwell in, 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 in temples made of, of, of human hands. And he's like, oh, slave traders, liars, promise breaker. I want to highlight the, the power of keeping your promises. This is something that we take so lightly when you tell someone I'll visit you on Saturday. Child of God, follow through. Visit them on Saturday. It is better not to say anything than to say something and not do it. If you have the capacity to do it, go ahead and do it. If something that is inevitable happens, excuse yourself before time and let them know that you are willing to reschedule another day. Because when you have spoken, again, remember the principle of you carrying the person of God. You are causing God to lie if he really is the one who is master over your body. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. So you don't stop carrying the person of God when you do that. You still have that, but you are bringing reproach to the God you carry. You are being that person. They say, aha, those people say they're Christians, but really there's not so much about them. Or again, Paul still writes, or who do anything else that contradicts wholesome teaching and the wholesome teaching is the word of God that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God so child of God look around yourself think about the situations and the things that are part of your life day after day collect that evidence and shame the devil be wise be sharp understand that what we are facing today the things you're seeing on tv you might not even understand the 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 intensity of what's going on at the moment you've seen in the news if you watch news parents who are literally having to decide to take their children out of school because they are convincing their children that they are born the wrong way Yet the Bible tells us, train up a child the way they should go and they will not depart. You see, when the Bible says that the the word of God is a double-edged sword, a kitchen knife, for example, is sharp on one edge, but it's not sharp on the other. That's what a kitchen knife usually is like. You can cut with one side, but not really the other side because it's not sharp. It's not conceived to cut. But a sword is sharp on both edges because it is a tool of war. So whether you hit from the left or hit from the right, for it to fulfill the purpose that it was called for, it has to be sharp on both edges. So when you read scripture like train up a child the way they should go and they will not depart, many a time we like to look at that scripture as, okay, if you teach them to pray, if you raise them in the church, if you give them responsibility in church, if you tell them and they know, their minds know that Sundays are for church, that before you eat, you say a prayer, that before you sleep, you say a prayer, that before you wake up and leave your bed, you say a prayer, that you meditate 
and think about the scriptures. That is a good way to raise a child and it will save them. You are sowing a seed that even if they depart from God for a little time, they will still come back. The same scripture in the double-edgedness of the sword of God still applies when you use it the wrong way many people that have come out of the transgenderism for example that have gone ahead with the processes and regretted it painfully because of the pain they go through the procedures they don't tell them the truth about and they convert and come back to christ most of their testimonies they will tell you that something started when they were a child there was there was this testimony i was listening to and this man had been uh, had tra- has had transitioned to being a woman for about 30 years and in those 30 years he tells you that when he was a young boy visiting his grandmother who was a tailor she made him a dress and called him a cute boy a beautiful boy so in his head in his small 7 year old head He said, maybe I'm better off as a girl because grandma thinks I'm beautiful and yet girls are the ones that are beautiful and boys are handsome. And the Lord literally had to throw him, like when he gave his life to Christ, the vision that he testified to have had is Christ welcoming the little boy that he was at seven. So God had to go all the way in his past, 30 years earlier, and take him redeem him from where um he died from in kinyaranda we have a saying that says um that basically when you look at someone who has a certain behavior as an adult and you realize that it's something that could have been corrected when they were still young but it was not possible to correct it until then and now they are an adult and it's harder to redress an adult than to redress a child so when we say train up a child in the way they should go and they will not depart if you train up your child in sorcery when they are still a child obviously they are going to go into that way and they are not going to depart except by the grace and the power of our lord jesus christ and friends parents believers children of god in general take reading scripture seriously I'm telling you there are situations, there are experiences, there are testimonies that I can recite on this on this platform and your ears could never believe it. But there are moments where the word of God is what saved me. And if you are keen on reading, you will see many other stories in the world of men and women who use the word in the face of war, in the face of adversity like never before. Just recently, there's a, a lady who was uh, who God asked to go from, she was from the UK, and the Lord asked her to go to, to China as a missionary. And when she was there she didn't even know the language it was a very hard time it was a dangerous time at the time there was a lot of wars going on with russia with 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 basically everything in that region and literally over time as she built respect and as she built herself as a believer and the community knew her as a believer and they destroyed their idol gods and started to give their lives to jesus 
Literally, the government called that woman to go in a prison where people were killing each other with an axe. And they said, only you can find what to tell these people because you have sorted out very crazy situations. And this woman was barely five foot and she would just pray. She walked in a prison towards a man who had an axe and had just killed seven people behind himself and was still dripping with blood and was literally gonna kill her as well but she walked to him and she was reciting scripture in her heart this is her testimony and she remembered that the bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal and she recited that scripture stood in the face of that man and said give me the axe and this man who had just murdered seven people looked into her eyes and gave her the axe and she sat down with those prisoners and hope was restored because they were baffled by the fact that a barely five foot woman just walked to a man that just murdered seven people without a conscience and convinced him they wanted to know what is this thing that this woman has spoken and ladies and gentlemen that is the power that is in the word that god has given you that is your inheritance forget about the millions and the money and the land and the properties that your parents have to sign your name on before they die those things are good but they profit very little because when you die you leave it but this word of god continues to build you up you might not see it you might not grow five inch taller but your spirit grows and your spirit is what is eternal it is what ascends into heaven now i could go on and on and on and on and as god gives grace and utterance i will be able to break down this thing but take the word serious live your life of salvation seriously because we are slumbering the bible says arise from your slumber we are sleeping as christians and the kingdom of satan is advancing like never before and we have the victory already but this victory is only activated because someone knows how to respond from it not to it from it let's pray father i thank you for this word i thank you for the freedom and the understanding and and enlightenment that is that it is bringing to the hearts and minds and souls and spirits of your children i pray lord that as you have called us a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, that every word that I have spoken will be a, a something that everyone who's hearing me ponders on, sits on, and receives the power to conceive that seed like you did our mother Sarah. That Lord, they will be able to walk in this authority, in this understanding, and they will be able to wage war triumphantly because you finished the hardest part. You tell us that your people perish for lack of knowledge. Let it never be said of us that we have perished because we didn't know. You have availed everything. The Bible says that these things were written aforetime for our learning. 
So I thank you, Lord. I thank you that we shall not be dumbfounded on the mountain of God. We will continue to be victorious. We will continue to wage war against all these principalities with the sharp sword that is your word. Thank you that you hear us when we pray. It is so and cannot be otherwise in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, this is one of those episodes that you cannot leave without calling people to give their lives to Christ. So if you are simply listening because a friend told you there are some interesting things you might get from here, and today you realize that you are not equipped to fight certain battles, now is the prayer you make. Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I am born again in Jesus' name. If you have made that prayer and you want to keep walking with someone, you want to understand what it means to make such a commitment, feel free to write. There is a Q&A question. I have access to that. We have an Instagram page. We have a website where you can fill your information and we continue to work with you. The best thing you can do for yourself is to study the Word of God, is to be rooted in a community, is to go to church and to find all the ways you can do. Like think of a war that is coming and you are being called to prepare. That is exactly what is going on. And this war is not long coming. It is here and we have to be positioned. You are blessed to see you next week, Monday.